Today's episode of the Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by the Young Tennis Players Project, who is our newest presenting sponsor. The Young Tennis Players Project retails sports apparel, but with a unique twist. The majority of the proceeds goes towards helping young athletes receive hands-on tennis lessons and training, which can get very expensive, while the remainder actually goes back to investors in a revenue-sharing opportunity for those who participate. And with no upfront costs, there's no risk. It's all upside. So to learn more, visit www.ytp.tennis or just click on the link in the Friends and Sponsors section of the Hail to the District homepage. Um, before we get started with the podcast, I want to give a big shout out to fellow Hail to the District writer Dash Kanan for setting up today's podcast with Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated. Um, he was the one who wrote the expose of sorts on Kirk Cousins that basically blew up Redskins Twitter last week. Uh, Greg provided some absolutely phenomenal cu- uh, insight into Cousins, the situation in Washington, how the front office views him, vice versa, and so much more. It was absolutely fantastic. So big props to Dash for setting this up. Uh, and without any further jibber jabber, on to the podcast. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to another episode of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm really excited about today's episode because of a couple of great guests. We have a couple of really good guests and then kind of a so-so guest. The so-so guest is, is fellow Hail to the District writer, Adarsh. He's, he's whatever, but not to take anything away from him because he was the one who facilitated today's podcast. But the awesome guest we have today is Greg Bishop from Sports Illustrated. Um, I'm sure many of you recognize the name considering he was the one who wrote the in-depth profile on Kirk Cousins that's actually dropping in the December 4th issue, so that was yesterday, of Sports Illustrated magazine. Um, first and foremost, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So... As we were kind of discussing before the podcast started, um, Kirk Cousins, first of all, the Redskins are always first and foremost on everyone's mind in the area, regardless of what any of the other poor teams in the D.C. area are doing. Um, the Redskins have been going 1-15. in 15. It could be the most miserable season ever, and we're still talking about them endlessly. And given that, you know, we have – this city has, has a very storied – uh, romance with a backup quarterback. I always joked that, like, since 19, the 1970s, really, the backup quarterback might be the most popular person on the entire team. And everyone always says that the, the starter kind of gets the step, redhead stepchild appeal, and then the backup is always romanticized one. And so, unfortunately, Kirk Cousins, from the starter standpoint, is, is the, bearing the brunt of it. So, I'll kind of stop talking right now. But from an overall standpoint, I mean, you, you wrote the story, you provided the great, um, insight into kind of how he thinks, how he is, his process, his nerdiness, all of the above, as you put it. Um, just kind of your general takeaway at walking away from it and having talked to the DC area media and fans and stuff like that since. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting, actually, to sort of see the Twitter reaction, because I, I write mostly longer stories, mostly NFL for the magazine, and maybe 15 or 20 a year. And I'm not sure I've ever seen my Twitter quite blow up the way that it did. <laughs> After the Cousins thing, and there were all these like crazy, crazy arguments that broke out. And some of it was over his value. Some of it was over how I wrote the piece. Some of it was about what his dad said about, and we can get to that later, about, you know, sort of this idea that like he wouldn't have taken the largest contract in NFL history last offseason. And I was just, I I, I guess the passion really came across. Uh, To me, it's a really interesting situation, pretty much without precedent in recent NFL history because. Cousins was a guy who was not supposed to be an NFL starter. He's played, in my opinion, his way into becoming a very serviceable one. If if you know, if not in the top tier of quarterbacks in the NFL, then 
definitely like in the in the in the tier below that in the like you pay a lot of money to him category. Uh, the Redskins are aware that you know there may be some some uh, bad blood there. Uh, they they know also that there are maybe ten or twelve of these guys on the planet that can play quarterback at a level where you hand them, you know, twenty five to twenty eight million dollars a year. And I think all these things are sort of swirling around a situation that's even more interesting because the Redskins have been so banged up this year. And so, yep. you know, he's he's missing, <clears throat> excuse me, two wide receivers who had a thousand yards last year who left in free agency. Sean McVay's obviously in Washington. Uh, I mean, in, in L.A. doing really well. And then you have, uh, you know, all the injuries to the linemen, to Chris Thompson, to to the offense. And, you know, I, I just think there's all these things swirling that make it a really unique situation to the point where. I can see where the Redskins are coming from. I can see where Kirk is coming from. And I can see why so many fans seem to disagree about this. I'm never sure I've quite seen reaction quite like that, you know, on a story, at least in a long time. I can't think of a more divisive well, I shouldn't say that because I like to jokingly refer to him as he who shall not be named, but the quarterback that Kirk replaced was probably the most lightning rod divisive figure there, but that was very much a function of Kirk Cousins. I think it was uh, 2014, and it was they were playing a random first or second uh, preseason game, and it was against, I think it was against Tennessee. And Joe Theismann, uh, Motormouth Joe Theismann as we like to call him over here, was commentating on the game, and he basically said Kirk Cousins is the better between him and RG3 at the time. And you know, we're like, yeah, whatever, it's just Theismann talking. But that kind of gave fuel to the fire, and it kind of, everyone who was RG3 apologist was like, no, you know, he needs time, he needs whatever. And everyone's like, Kirk's the better quarterback. And it's really funny to see how that's kind of swung in the opposite direction to the point where people are saying, we should try, let's see what Colt has. Like, we should put Colt McCoy in the game. I'm like, <laughs> right. that, that train has sailed, man. Like, it's just, you know, are we really trying to talk about justify Kirk, uh, Colt McCoy in this situation? But uh, that notwithstanding, you, a lot of what you just said, there's so many layers to that, which I would love to dive into as much as time permitting, because we could talk about this for a week if we really wanted to. But I, I really feel like there are kind of three doors as we've seen what the situation was with Cousins is as far as the future, that he either signs a long-term deal here, that's door number one. Um, the Door number two, which I'd love to talk a little more about, is the transition tag. And then door number three, which is the most discussed one, is the franchise tag, which is essentially going to pay him an insane 35-ish, give or take, million dollars per year because it's the third year in a row of the, of the cap. Um, <clears throat> but to all of that, all of that said, the part that you touched on, and I want to quote the article that you said, this was his father, Don, to which you were mentioning earlier. Um, they could have made him the highest paid player in NFL history, and he wouldn't have signed, Don says. People say, well, he's making $24 million. Fact is, he could have gotten a whole lot more. So you put that there, and then couple the fact with Dan Helley of the NFL Network, who's a local guy, actually went to the same high school over here, Magruder High School. He was on the Chad Duke show, I think it was right around or really shortly after you were there, and he said something very close to the effect of, Cousins hasn't signed a long-term deal here because he doesn't want to sign a deal here and maybe doesn't want to be here. So I'll kind of stop there and get your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know, I think there's a few layers to that. Uh, the first layer I would say is that Kirk is very process-oriented. That's in large part what the piece is about. I think in, in particular last spring, not only did he feel uneasy about signing with the Redskins, but I think because of his process, he wanted to see what happened. You know, like he wanted to see if they were going to be able to build after losing Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon in free agency, if they were going to be able to succeed, you know, when Sean McVay was somewhere else. And I, th I think that it was largely at that point about like less about bad blood and, and I want to leave Washington and I'm never going to play for the Redskins long term and more about 
I can make the same decision a year from now, make $24 million this year and not have to worry about, you know, necessarily like committing to a team that I'm not sure that this is going to be the best situation for me. I, I think what he was doing was essentially delaying his decision by a year, you know, having more information, able then to look at his long-term future, what's open, who's going to pay what, and where he'd want to go. So I, I don't think that some people read that quote and they sort of thought, the dad's saying he'll never play for the Redskins. Right. Like, I don't think that's true. I think that he, in the right situation, would stay. And I think the money's going to be there because what's the alternative? You know, Who's on the market that they could get that plays like him? Or who are you going to draft that's going to step in and be able to win five games like Kirk has this year with you know running an offense through Vernon Davis and Chris Thompson? I mean, it's... I mean, to me, that's remarkable. And so I think that that, 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 that sort of was like the, the sort of backdrop to everything. The news from a couple of weeks ago, I think, is important. You know, the, the report from the NFL Network that uh, he still had to play well in the last five games. They wanted to see what they had in him. And I think it's important because I think Kirk has always looked at himself as a guy who never got his due. You know, here's a guy who in high school had to split reps, who was the second recruit at Michigan State. You know, Keith Nickel was supposed to play over him. He just kept beating him out and beating him out and beating him out. And, you know, I think that ultimately the last thing that he wanted to hear in terms of like feeling good about the situation or feeling like the Redskins were committed to him was for them to say, you know, anonymously that he still had five games with which to prove himself after an incredible year two years ago, a very good one last year. And, you know, he told me in the story that he's playing the best he's played so far this year. And so... Those kind of things make me think that maybe the situation is a little bit untenable. Uh, we definitely know that there are teams that are going to pay a quarterback just because it's a quarterback because there aren't 32 of them walking on the planet Earth. And so I think the question becomes, is like, what's the best situation? You know, a lot of these teams that might pay Cousins are really bad. You know, you're looking at both the New York teams, uh, potentially Cleveland. Uh, to me, Denver would make sense, you know, uh, depending on where Eli Manning goes. And so... I think all of that's sort of playing into it. I, I would say that Kirk never gave me the the impression that he would not sign with the Redskins. He just gave me the impression that he was not comfortable signing long term with them last year. And so I think that's an important distinction to make as we, you know, kind of chew through all this. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it because it's like a lot of went back and forth. I think the Redskins rightfully so in many cases got a lot of bad heat saying that you lowballed him and there was that I think there was that deadline offer where basically Bruce Allen put so to speak lipstick on a pig and repackaged the same offer in a different way and said this is our best offer this is the best we could do and the best offer we made when everyone's like this is actually just the same offer you gave to him put kind of put in different words um so there was that and everyone you know there was a lot of people saying oh he's grubbing for money but obviously as you said the quote from his father and and a lot of other pieces of evidence say that this look he's not trying to be he's not trying to get a better deal than like what Matt Stafford got or whatever like it's it's really just about him being comfortable and him being in the right place uh, emotionally mentally whatever to take that deal so yeah bro, like, like, the, sorry go, oh, ahead. go ahead well I was gonna say like if, if they kept both those receivers and if Jordan Reed was healthy and if this was a playoff team I realize it's the NFL and things are going to change and that you know constant constant change is the NFL but you know, if all these things were in place, I think he actually would would stay in Washington long term. I think he looks at things in a very pragmatic way where it's like, what's going to be the best situation for me? How can I be successful? I'm really at this point in my life entering my prime. And, you know, I might play 10 more years, but these are the big ones. And what's ultimately going to be the best situation for that? Oh, so, like, yeah, so I like I, I was just asking, I was just about to ask, you know, what do you, you said, you know, maybe last year he wasn't comfortable signing a long-term deal. I know uh, Rajan, uh, 
reiterated the Ian Rapport report that the organization needs five more games to prove himself, or you did. But, uh, I mean, based on Rappaport's track record uh, reporting Washington Redskins news, it hasn't been that accurate. But do you think, I mean, that, that aside, do you think they've done enough, uh, I guess, in a roster building over the offseason? And has, do you think he feels that Jay Gruden is the right coach to make him move forward and progress in his career to the next level, maybe Lee? Elite Breeze, Brady Rogers level, right? Uh, those, that's a really interesting. Let, let, I'll, I'll just start with saying, Rap Sheet's a friend of mine, and so uh, I'll always be a uh, team Rap Sheet on that one. I think uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not familiar with his history, but like I trust his work, and so I would just, I think that what's interesting to look at there is that uh, you know, I think essentially what Kirk is doing is trying to gauge whether this is going to be the best situation for him. And I think it's really hard to do that because of how many injuries they've had. So my sense is that he really liked Jay Gruden. My sense is that he likes, you know, the offense that Jay Gruden has sort of put together. Uh, doesn't mind this sort of iteration of it. Uh, I think that, you know, when you're looking at how they're going to reload, I think he liked uh, Josh Doxson. I think he liked Ryan Grant. I think he really liked how Chris Thompson was playing. He told me he was he thought Chris Thompson was the best third down back in the NFL. And so you sort of saw all these dots lining up. Like he felt like they had more than probably I thought or than probably like the general national media consensus would have been in terms of what kind of weapons they had and whether you know those weapons were conducive to signing a long-term deal. It's just at this point so hard to tell because he's running for his life on every play and getting hit all the time. And it just it just seems like it's hard to evaluate what he'll ultimately want to evaluate. So after that, I think it's going to come down to, like, does he think Chris Thompson can come back, you know, the way he was? Does he think they can land a big receiver in free agency? Does he think the line will stay healthier in future seasons? And I think if everything's in place for a guy like Cousins, I do think that he could be at the bottom end of the top tier of NFL quarterbacks. I think it's going to require the right kind of situation. He's going to need to have guys that he can throw to. He's going to need to have an offense that is suitable to his strengths. But I've watched their last uh, six games or so while I was writing the story, and I think he's played really well this year. You know, I think that given everything that's gone against him, uh, he's he's won a couple games where you could argue he was the sole defining factor in their win. You know, whether it was the comeback at Seattle, uh, the run in against the 49ers to win that game, yep. also on the road. Uh, you know, I, I just think that like. I can see why people are like nervous about him. If you're going to give him $28 million, he should be, you know, uh, a Drew Brees, like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, if not at that level, then right below it. And so I get the nervousness there. I just would ask anybody who, who wonders about that, what the alternative would be. Like, who would you start next year if Kirk Cousins is in Cleveland, you know? And I, I think that's the where you got to start all the arguments, at least the economic ones. Yeah, that's the functional argument everyone in D.C. has. It's the, okay, is the grass greener on the other side of the fence, so to speak, argument. And a lot of people say that, well, you're staying with Kirk because it's like staying in a relationship because you're afraid of trying to find a new girlfriend because you never feel like you'll never get better than what you have right now. But then the also argument is that if there's such a limited supply of people to quote-unquote date, you may be better off sticking with one who you know – at worst is probably a 10 top 10 to 12 quarterback. I mean, if <laughs> right. You, if well, you, see, here's, here's what I'd say there. If you don't mind, you know, yeah, I mean, that, that's like, that's like, essentially it's like, you know, like you, you have a, like a low level supermodel, right? So right. like how, how bad is that? You know, like, exactly. uh, <laughs> you know, like, like the best, the best, the worst supermodel beats the best, like regular girl you're going to meet next year. And so like, you know, I, I think just cause it's not Giselle, like 
you know, I think that that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, damn you, Tom Brady. But yeah, to that <laughs> point, it's like if you sit and look at it as of today, like, okay, with guys like Aaron Rodgers out for the season and a couple of the young guys who we thought would make that leap, they obviously didn't, or guys like uh, Derek Carr who, you know, ha- haven't had the season we all thought he would. So if you just sit and rank the quarterbacks today as of 1 through 32, the only quarterbacks you can say without question, like you can't put them in the same sentence, Brady, Carson, Wentz, and Wilson. Those are the three MVP candidates. Those guys are playing out of their mind. You could arrange them one, two, three, and have arguments other way. Then you probably have the next tier of guys like Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, heck, I mean, even Case Keenum, whose name has popped up a little bit in this area. That's that next tier. But in at worst, you're probably looking at a top 10 to 12 quarterback, and yet people are clamoring like, you know, and I know the function is like, they're not saying that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, although there are a swath of people who do say Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, and they're ridiculous. But they're saying that, Okay, you know, he's not worth X number of, of money, which is whatever X is. If it's 24 a year, 25 a year, 35 a year, whatever that number ends up being because of whatever contract he has. And I think those are all the different layers to this issue. It's not just, you know, is he good? Is he bad? Should he start? Should he not start? And I think that's what the frustration yeah. comes from. And that argument is totally valid. It just ignores at the end the, the, the viable or not viable alternatives, you know? You look at the draft and you look at three guys that have been really highly ranked that have all struggled at different points this year, you know, between Allen, Rosen, and Darnold. You know, not yeah. even all of them may, may come out. Uh, you look at who else is available in the free agent market. You know, Drew Brees is a free agent. He'll, he'll get signed by New Orleans. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo already got traded to San Francisco. And so I think you look at all these things and you say, you know, do you want to be the Jets or the Browns or a team that's perpetually searching for quarterback, which was basically the Redskins until they drafted, a, you know, RG3 and Cousins in 2012? Or do you want to take a guy that might be the eighth best quarterback in the league and say, we're going to put enough around him to try to win? Uh, I get the concern there, and I think it's totally valid to, like, sort of look at whether, you know, Kirk is how close he might be to a Brady or a Breeze. We know we're not saying he's the same level, but, you know, to really compare, like, is he – 10% worse or 30% worse. And that's a big deal when you're going to give a guy that much money. I just think that if you're only thinking of it that way, you're not looking at alternatives and you're not looking at all these places, the, the New York Jets being another one where, you know, McCown is your starting quarterback because every year you got to find another journeyman and fit him in there. And, you know, nobody's going to win that way. Occasionally one team will break through with an average quarterback to win one Super Bowl, and then 20 years will pass, and the same guys will, will be in the mix every year. It's it's Brady, it's Rodgers, it's Roethlisberger, it's Breeze, you know. It's Carson Wentz, now he's in this conversation. It's Russell Wilson. Like, when you have one, you pay one. And I think that that's just sort of a maximum in the NFL these days. Yeah. Um, into the to the punches who's going to pay for him or somebody's going to pay for him in free agency. Um, Rappaport also, I think it was about a week or two ago, went on Grant and Danny and also mentioned that, you know, the Redskins won't take the transition tag route. Like it's either franchise or it's nothing or franchise or long-term deal or nothing because they're afraid that the team like Cleveland, who is effectively about $61 million with the cap room going into free agency next year, might do a front-loaded poison pill where the Redskins can't match and effectively walk away with, you know, maybe a first-round pick, you know, it may be a top-ten pick, but exactly as you said, are you really comfortable with handing over the keys to Sam Darnold, who hasn't made that leap, with Josh Allen, who's all physical talent, with Josh Rosen, which we don't even know what's that there. I mean, now the big name is Baker Mayfield, Regardless of what that may be, I mean, you, as we just said, you have something—a top half of the quarterback or top half of the league quarterback at worst. So, and that's that's the that's the debate we have here every day. 
All right, guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to one of our new sponsors, and that's Advantage Media Solutions. Now, whether you're a startup business or an already established company or organization or charity, or just an individual looking for some public relations assistance, Advantage Media Solutions offers what you're looking for. Their team offers unparalleled creative solutions for all their clients, and they're determined to see every job through to its success. They handle marketing and advertising needs like strategy, mobile marketing, email marketing, SEO, and social media, as well as PR needs like press releases, talent booking, image consulting and image repair, and so much more. Advantage Media Solutions considers every client a partner, and your success equals their success. They take a personal interest in making sure each and every one of their partners works together well with them, and they form a unique team and family by working with you. So make sure you be a part of that AMS family by visiting www.advantagemediasolutions.com or just simply emailing theadvantagemediasolutions at gmail.com. And now, back to the podcast. And it's it's like you can understand the Redskins side of it too, you know. Like yep. they just they just they're buying a, a really expensive car, you know, and like they want to make sure that it's going to be a really dope car, you know. And like I just think that that that's ultimately what they're going to have to weigh. And because they're weighing it, and because this is year after year after year of it seeming like they're doubting him again, in 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 that process, I think what they're doing is is you know hurting Kirk, Kirk's feelings. And he didn't come out and say that, but you know it's clear that. You know, from talking to people around him, from reading between the lines, it's just, it's just clear that there's some bad blood there. And, you know, I think the best thing for all parties is for a definitive solution this spring, whether it's him in Washington or not. So you've kind of half answered the question. But to that end, from what you're able to kind of gather or read between the lines, as you put it, from your spidey sense or what have you, do you feel like the organization from the top down, be it Snyder, be it Bruce Allen, be it Doug Williams, whoever you want to say, is more firmly in the camp of, okay, we just need to get the, a deal done with this guy? Or are they more like if they had to go one between the other, like we're still evaluating what our future really is? You know, I, th- I see like it sort of seems like both ways there to right. me because you look at like last last spring, they offered him a deal that they said was like a record setting guarantee. He didn't dispute that that was true. So to me, that tells me they're interested long term at the right price. You know, then you see a report like Rappaport's and you say they're trying to send a message here, basically telling them like, hey, it's not all good. You know, this is not necessarily going to go your way for sure. And so uh, to me, that's some of the same back and forth that I think has bothered him. And so. You know, I would say at this point in time, it could be negotiating, you know, they could be looking at, you know, trying to make sure they get him for as low a price as possible. Maybe maybe try to make make him, you know, in the Derek Carr, Stafford kind of money range rather than breaking that by a significant amount. Uh, I'm not really sure. I just, you know, what, what we've seen the last three years and even this year is that the offense has worked, you know, with Jay Gruden running it, with different coordinators, with different receivers. And the, the two constants are, are Gruden and Cousins, and it and we've seen it work. So you'd have to think that, like, on some level, they'd like to keep that going, but with better supporting cast, healthy offensive line, you know, all these things that are really ruining their season. Yeah. And so, I think, uh, go ahead. So like, uh, you were talking about the two constants being Cousins and Gruden. Uh, I think this is still a very long. Uh, it was a major long shot, and I know the Redskins have. I don't know. I think Jay Gruden's done a great job this year, especially with all the injuries. But there is clamor for him losing his job at the end of the year, whether that's fair or not. Because you can you can look at the New Orleans Saints game, and you can look at the no show on Dallas, which maybe just injuries catching up to them. Let's say hypothetically Gruden is fired on Black Monday. 
How much do you think that affects Cousins' decision? And do you think he'll be accepting of a regime change in Washington? That's a fascinating question. I think that Kirk ultimately likes Gruden. So I would say that that losing him would be one more strike against the Redskins. Um, It would be interesting to see who they might bring in. And what's really interesting is they had the best young coach in the NFL in their staff already. And, And he's now coaching the Rams who are having an incredible season. And so... Uh, the, th- the things that are in play here are pretty crazy. I think that would be one more thing for Kirk to assess. I don't know if it would swing him either way, but I think to lose McVay, uh, Gruden, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, you know, Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. He's a guy I wrote about last summer. And like, I just, I just sort of feel like if all those things are going against you, I just don't see why you wouldn't try somewhere else, you know, but that's, that's just me interpreting what him and I talked about. I, I don't want to speak for him in that regard. Yeah, I think you mentioned this earlier, but the fact that, you know, 22 different line combinations this year, I think they were the first or second at worst team in NFL history to let 2,000-yard receivers walk in free agency. Jordan Reed gone all year. I mean, he's running this offense. He's fourth in the NFL in passing yards per game, throwing to Josh Doxson, Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant was a local whipping boy over here in terms of everyone's like, oh, crap, Ryan Grant's in the game. And, you know, uh, a core of running backs is a little hodgepodge. Like, if our best guy is Samaj P. Ryan, who's a fourth-round pick, like, that says a lot. Like Rob Kelly's an undrafted free agent. Chris Thompson was a guy we weren't even sure he's going to pan out. The fact that he turned into the second coming of, you know, Tiki Barber, probably somebody even better than that. I jokingly called him Roger Craig because that's hyperbole. But like you know, like so, turned into that caliber player was completely un- unforeseen by anyone. But- yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think that that all works in Cousins' favor. Like it, it looks, if you're looking at it objectively, he's had a lot of tough circumstances throughout the year. And he's dealt with this year the same way he's dealt with everything else, which is by being as prepared as possible and, you know, being ready to, like, you know, he, he won him a few games. And, you know, Doxon doesn't drop that pass against the Chiefs. I know. And, you know, they may have another win. I mean, I would just say that, that there are a lot of issues in Washington. and I'd put him kind of lower on that list. If Dotson doesn't drop the pass, the first slant pass against the Cowboys on the opening drive, and then Crowder doesn't drop the second pass against the Cowboys on the second drive, I believe it was, I feel like the entire game tied is different as opposed to getting beat down. And I think a lot of the recent heat locally happened because losing to Dallas is just such a nasty you know, wound to inflict in, around people over here, especially losing on national TV, which we're used to. But that embarrassingly to Dallas, who was slumping, and then having that, like that just really stung and that kind of exacerbated the Kirk conversation, even though, as everyone joked, Chris Collinsworth was gushing about Kirk all night. And a lot of people said, look, of all the problems we had that night, he wasn't one of them. It's not his fault he was getting thrown into the dirt every other play. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that it's interesting that I didn't I didn't actually see that broadcast, but Collinsworth coming around on him. It's not like what I heard throughout the year. You know, I, I think when you watch the Redskins, it's kind of interesting to listen to the broadcasters because they're always like. I remember one game I was watching, and the guy says, you know, Kirk Cousins, franchise quarterback. Well, he got the franchise tag anyway, you know, or or when he ran in for the score against the 49ers to win that game. They're like, you know, we don't really think of athleticism with Kirk Cousins. So in the piece, I said he was the football equivalent of food that tastes better than it looks, yep. you know. Uh, you dropped a Colin Coward reference. <laughs> yeah, 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 because yeah, he called him oatmeal, and like— yep. You know, like oatmeal is, is like one of the best things you can eat for breakfast. You know, like oatmeal is a winning formula. I don't personally eat it, but like, you right. know, uh, it's not sexy. Yeah, exactly. And cousin isn't sexy. And I do think that like some of this stuff plays into it. We get this idea of him as being a nerd and being frugal and driving the van. And he embraces all that stuff in a way that I think is 
is fine. But like, I think that, that we also sometimes forget that like there's a real fire underneath there, and that like you know if we can argue about his decision making or arm strength or any of the things that like you know there are there are physical attributes that maybe he doesn't have like you know Tom Brady's you know like vision or whatever, but. I think in terms of like preparation and being ready and having sort of an inner fire that nobody seems to notice, you know, I'd put him up there with anybody that I've written about. I, I think it, it it was unique to see just sort of how much thought went into everything he did and how he sort of draws on this obsession and real competitiveness to like at least try to, you know, he's positioned himself that we're arguing about him, you know, and if he didn't do this stuff, we wouldn't even, he, we wouldn't be a starter in the league and we wouldn't be arguing at all. So, so uh, God, I, just... uh, like, I know um, you brought up uh, the, you know, how Cousins takes care of his body, sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, and basically doing a Tom Brady mini light diet, I guess. I'm not <laughs> sure. sure. How to, Hold on one um, second. Greg, but, were you the one who did the Tom Brady diet for a little while? I know somebody at SI did it. Yeah, I did. In fact, uh, I wrote about Brady like three years ago. It was like the first time he'd really talked about all his routines. Yeah, I read and that. It was, that was it fascinating. Was, the first time that he'd mentioned avocado ice cream, so I always joke with him that he owes me now that he's selling that for like 200 bucks a pop, you know, uh, online. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I've profiled Rodgers. I've I'd had covers on him and Brady, Russell Wilson. Uh, I've written a, a lot of, you know, of the, the NFL's players. Uh, did Jared Goff earlier this year. And the only routine that was similar to me to, to the one that Kirk laid out was Tom Brady's. And, again, I'm not comparing them like, Kirk's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, and we might be talking about him being the greatest player of all time. You know, I, I'm just saying, like, the way they get ready for football, it was very reminiscent, and it was the only two that struck me as anywhere kind of in the same neighborhood. Sorry, I'll so cut you, you off. So, so like, I, I mean, we're talking about the Brady diet and then, you know, his nerdy quirks or something. I know there was there were times last season when – I think the Redskins were six and three, and the DC media was reporting on everything positive about how he watches different sci-fi TV shows or whatever. Um, do you do you like? I know you, as you said, you profiled you know, Wilson, Rogers, Goff. Do you think his teammates respond to him like they respond to other quarterbacks? Like just uh, for whatever sense you got by talking to him or whoever else you talk to. Yeah, no, that's a great question because uh, that's important, right? Like, it can't just be, like, all the preparation in a vacuum. He has to be to make that kind of money, like, a true leader. Uh, my sense is that, that his pl- that his teammates back him. Um, you know, I know Jordan Reed pretty well. I did a piece on him that this summer that was sort of about evolution. Uh, he spoke very highly of Kirk. I talked to Trent Williams. He spoke very highly of him. I, I do think that, that the Redskins players believe that if, if they have enough around them that they can win with the the roster they have, you know, uh, you know, currently set up if it's added to. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I think it, that's a tough call. But like to me, that's one of the things the Redskins really have to weigh. You know, like is is Kirk a franchise quarterback, not just in physical attributes and not just in the way he gets ready for games, but is he a quarterback that people will follow in a playoff game in January when the weather's bad, trying to play well and. You know, I would say that uh, the fact that he's won five games this year with everything we talked about, you know, speaks to the fact that um, that, that they have followed him, you know, and that they, they, they have taken notice of the way that he prepares for football. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think like it's it's a reasonable expectation to think that like the only way he'll be judged a good quarterback is if he can win 11 games with 22 offensive line combinations. A, a Tom Brady wouldn't do that, you know, Hall of Famer, best player of all time. And so. Again, I'm not comparing the two of them, but like I think so much of quarterback play in the NFL is situational. 
you know, look at Jared Goff's success this year. Yeah. New offensive lineman, new receivers out wide, new coordinator, new offense, you know, adjustments he made this offseason. And we're talking about him now as being one of the more surprising players in the NFL. And so, you know, I don't think you can divorce him from his situation or Brady or Cousins. I think it's all relevant, and that makes it even harder to evaluate. Yeah, for better or for worse, to your point about situational football, you know, the, the, I'm just reading through some of the delightful social media posts like people have responded, you know, when they talk about Kirk Cousins, you know, he gets the rap that, oh, well, he still throws it, you know, too many interceptions, even though I think he's, he, you know, he has less interceptions than people like Dak Prescott, who we say doesn't throw a ton of interceptions, or he has the same amount of interceptions that Matt Ryan does, or he has less interceptions than Big Ben, Marcus Mariota, Cam Newton, so like, well, he takes too many interceptions, or he takes too many sacks, you know, we talk about he's not clutch, but against the Eagles last year, against the Tampa Bay game, and, you know, the, you like that game, um, the 49ers game, as you referenced, like, he's taken this team back. And we used to joke that the Redskins were completely ineffective in the two-minute drill. Like, if we, got the, if we got the ball, we were down five, and there was two minutes left to go, prior to the Cousins and even the RG3 era, you might as well have just called it final, because we weren't coming back to do that. That never happened here. And, like, you know, Cousins has been able, maybe not as often as we want, but he's been able to do that. Um, one of my favorite quotes somebody somebody deriding him has said is, "He's Elvis Gerbach 2.0 with cute stats." Interesting. Which is just I don't even know how to answer respond to that. <laughs> right. Well, but, to me, that's like I think we've we sort of framed Cousins three years ago in our mind, right? And what we aren't doing now is looking at like things are different. You know, like he legitimately has played well. Legitimately, things have changed drastically around him. They legitimately are having a bad season. And, you know, all these things factor into, like, when you're going to pay a guy an absurd amount of money, you want everything to be right. And that's what's really interesting about the quarterback market because there's maybe 10 of those guys, maybe 12, maybe 8. And, you know, when you don't have one, you're looking for one. And when you do have one, you're wondering why he's not Tom Brady. And so, to me, it's just like the conundrum of modern-day NFL teams, you know. And I get why the Redskins want to make sure they're spending the money the right way. And I get why Kirk believes he's been disrespected and wants to be paid a lot of money. And I get why the fans just wish all this was over. And to me, it just speaks to the modern NFL. Like this is where we are and this is why things work the way they do. So kind so, of, go ahead. Greg, Greg go ahead. so like just banking on what you just said. So I, if you look around the NFC this year, you have Carson Wentz leading the Eagles. You have Jared Goff with the Rams and even Case Keenum with the Vikings. All either rookie quarterbacks or quarterback or in Keenum's case, a quarterback on a really cheap deal. Do you think that has somewhat colored the fan base or even the organization in a certain way to say maybe, hey, maybe we don't need to pay Kirk $28 million a year and we can get, you know, we can draft a quarterback like, I don't know, Baker Mayfield has been a name has been thrown around here recently because of, I guess, Jay Gruden looks like, Jay Gruden's system looks like it may be a fit for Mayfield or even Case Keenum, as Mike Florio reported a few weeks ago. Do you think that, do you think that has something to do with the clamor for, hey, look at these guys, that rookie quarterbacks and they're better than us? 100%. And I think that, that that also just speaks to sort of these situations and, you know, just the way the NFL works. You know, the problem is you never know what you're betting on, right? So, like, you may let Cousins walk. And then you bring in Keenum and you get the Keenum from the first four years of his career rather than the one from this season. You know, maybe he's not as good in a situation that's not as good. Uh, it's just hard to bet, you know, like for all the success that Wentz has had and Goff have had uh, coming out of that draft. You look at other 
you know, quarterbacks who are young, James Winston, Marcus Mariota, who have sort of uneven track records. You, you know, the problem with paying a guy a lot of money is like then you're you're a lot more strapped. And so, you know, Brady's contract is really favorable for the Patriots. The discount that he gives them, they probably can sign two or three players with that good players. Whereas a guy like Russell Wilson makes a lot of money and they don't have money to pay for offensive linemen. He spends half his life running around trying to, you know, create like a Sandlot version of an offense. And so I, I think all these things play into it. And I think that that adds to some temerity for sort of the fans as they look at it. You know, like they could get maybe Case Keenum in. They could have a guy like Baker Mayfield. The question is, when they do that, you know, um, when you add that guy, are you going to be building toward what Kirk already is? Is he going to be better than Kirk? Like those are unanswerable questions. And so, you know, I think you're gambling more if you go the other way, at least with cousins, you know what you have, you know, the work he's put in, you know, what kind of success he's done. And the other way may end up being better, but it may end up being worse. And so, you know, that's a situation where I'd just say to Redskins fans, fair point, uh, careful what you wish for. So to kind of put a bow on everything, let's just hypothetically say, you know, I'm saying right now the Redskins are five and seven, and, and I think realistically, balancing pragmatism, realism, and optimism, I think seven and nine is probably where this team is going to end up. I think they're going to drop one wonky game, and I actually don't like the matchup against the Chargers, who are red hot this weekend. And I think um, the Cardinals and the Broncos are are much more winnable games. That notwithstanding, let's say if the Redskins finish seven and nine this season, and the the front office comes to Kirk and gives them something in between the. Derek Carr deal, the Matt Stafford deal. It doesn't beat Matt Stafford's deal, and it's a little above Derek Carr's deal. In your opinion, having spent time with Kirk and seeing all the surrounding factors, do you think he takes the long-term deal in that context? That's an interesting question for sure. I honestly think he cares more about like if he has a chance to succeed than he does about whatever two million a year that would be. You know, so like I would say it depends on like who, what's their free agency plan to add weapons around him. How healthy is Chris Thompson going to be and win? Uh, can the line hold up? I think he would care. I think he's more concerned about those kind of things than he is about being named the highest paid player in football. And so I would say at this point in time when their roster seems to be injured and a little bit of a mess, I'd lean in that scenario probably toward him leaving. But um, he has not closed that door, and he was pretty adamant about the fact that he had not closed it. And so, you know, I think that um, – you know, I mean, we can we can uh, we can hypothetically look at this a million different ways. But to me, ultimately, Kirk will stay with Washington if he does stay because he feels like they have a chance to really win. And they've done a lot of things in his tenure there, but they haven't really done that. Are oh, there any final questions for Craig? No, I, I think I'm good. I, I'm just really insightful. And Very I, insightful. I think, especially coming from you after your that was the most in-depth thing I've read about Kirk. Absolutely. Since. We're talking about well, his thanks grandma. for having me, guys. Of course. Yeah, no, course. he's a really interesting guy. And I, th- I think that this, this situation is without a, a precedent. And I think that watching it play out will be what, what, what dominates our conversation in March, you know, February, March, and April. Sure. Thank you so much for everyone listening to the podcast so far. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some feedback and follow us on iTunes. Um, Greg, once again, thank you. Awesome stuff. Really appreciate your time and good luck with everything else. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care, Greg. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.